Hey guys, welcome to the first ever solo edition of the Campus to Canton podcast here. Of course, I'm the one doing it, Austin, because Colin, um, uh, he doesn't have access to all the stuff to upload. So I'm, I'm the one that gets to try this out uh, for the first time here, guys. So welcome, welcome in. I- I'm hesitant to call this an episode, a Campus uh, Life episode. I- I'm hesitant to call this a Canton Bound episode. Uh, because I, I'm doing something a little bit different. You know, with Colin away on vacation this week, I had a guest lined up. There was a little bit of miscommunication. So Canton Bound has been postponed for the week. Uh, we'll get something out to you guys later. But what we really all love anyway is the college talk. All, you know, we like names. We like rankings. We like strategy. All of these sort of things. So I figured that that is what I would bring you guys tonight um, in podcast form here, and I'm actually planning, hopefully, on turning this into a video for our YouTube channel as well. Um, if, for those that that are just listening to this on the straight pod, uh, the visuals will not be necessary. They're just going to be an added bonus. Uh, it's going to be like draft boards and stuff, because what I'm doing here tonight uh, to go along with a series of five articles that I am currently writing that will be on the website within the next month or so is how to do a zero quarterback draft this offseason. And I I want uh, to talk a little bit about this because I feel like I talk about this all the time in the Discord, on Twitter, on other people's podcasts, on our podcasts, everywhere. And I want to show you guys that not only is it a viable way to draft this offseason, but it is what I am actually doing. I'm going to use an actual draft that I just finished, an actual startup, to show that I am practicing what I am preaching to you guys. I'm not just throwing a bunch of crap at you guys and then secretly taking six quarterbacks in the first eight rounds. I am actually doing this strategy. And in this draft, as you guys will see on the college side, I did not take a quarterback until uh, the 17-18 turn. So I really played zero QB. I I waited for forever to take these guys. So I'm going to break this down here for you guys. Um, kind of into five different parts. Um, like I said, there's a series of five art. Well, it's going to be four or five articles because two of the parts kind of go hand in hand here. But I'm going to break down what my thought process is behind the zero quarterback strategy this offseason and why I think it, it it is consistently giving me the results that I prefer over reaching for a quarterback early that has a lot of question marks around them. So I think the first thing I want to do here is just jump right in and say, why zero quarterback? And I, I've intimated this a bunch of times. You know, we've kind of, when we've talked about quarterback here on this show or on Debbie Debate, but I want to be a little more clear on why this is my preferred strategy after, you know, I've done eight drafts, I think, this offseason already, and I've sat in on probably 10 more. So I've got about, you know, a close to 20 drafts under my belt this offseason where I've looked at the results and been on the clock myself and said, why or what am I doing here? And what is going to maximize my probability of building a strong team in the long term? Because that's really what this is all about, right, guys? I mean, we want our college team to eventually supply our our NFL team with something that's going to to extend a championship window up there. Um, And winning on the college side is an added bonus. And you guys know I love to win on the college side. Um, So I, I will get into all of these things here. But zero QB this offseason is safe. It, it is the safest way to draft. You can't lose or you can't win a C2C draft in the first few rounds. But if you go out and you're just swinging for the fences on every single pick, 
that that's not the way to do this in my opinion you're going to lose more than you win in that scenario and you're going to waste valuable draft capital and set yourself up for failure further down the line so in my opinion zero quarterback this offseason is safer and as I, i'll show you guys as i go through what the, the kind of how i break down a draft your you're hitting the tiers of talent at other positions at just the right time and kind of skipping over the dead zones, uh, as we can call them, uh, in all of the different positions, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. So that is really what the goal here is with zero quarterback. And that I'm not saying this is a viable strategy every offseason. In fact, the last offseason, if you told me to draft zero quarterback on the college side of things, I would have laughed in your face because there were a lot of, um, you know, in air quotes, sure things the last offseason with Trevor Lawrence, with Justin Fields. We felt pretty good about Spencer Rattler, who was stepping in at Oklahoma. Um, you know, th there were just a lot of guys across, you know, um, you know, Keaton Slovis, we felt good about, we felt good about Sam Howe. We felt good about Jaden Daniels. Um, just a lot of names, a lot of guys that we felt pretty good about. And I think that the inverse is true this off season. I don't really feel good about any of the quarterbacks, at least up to a certain point. And I feel really good about the early running backs, the mid round wide receivers, and then the late QBs. So that that's kind of the approach here. Um, today so let's get into the specific draft let me pull up uh, we'd actually did the nfl side first on this so i think it's only um you know this is only a good thought exercise if we follow along what my strategy actually was as i went through this so that means starting with the nfl side of things so let me pull up um, and again I, I will read off the results here for the people listening on the pod um, just so you are not uh, missing out on anything visual all right, my screen will stop freaking out here in a second, I'm pretty sure, um, possibly. Well, maybe not. All right, so here is what I did on the NFL side, which we did first. I had the 111, um, and I actually had the 101 on the college side, which made things a little bit easier to decide here also, also as um, I'll talk about here in a minute. Um, and I'm actually going to hold on. My screen's geeking out. I, let's try this again. There we go. Okay. There is my screen. You guys can see this. And I'm just going to go through real quick kind of my first 10 to 12 rounds of this draft. And then, you know, after that, it's just a total crapshoot. Anyway, um, this was a pretty, hey, this is a pretty sharp draft. There are a lot of smart people in here. You know, I had, uh, you know, Christian Williams in here uh, from Debbie Royale. We had uh, PJ, who, in my opinion, probably does more C2C drafts than anybody else uh, in the industry right now. We had Dwight Peebles, Jeff Bells, Matt Bruning, Shane Hallam, uh, and Kane uh, Fasella as well. We're kind of uh, co-managing a team. Uh, a couple other guys as well, you know, Drew Christensen, uh, Jake Sanderson. So th there were a lot of bigger names in this draft. So, you know, th this wasn't a bunch of scrubs that, it, that knew nothing that I was going against. Um, but so to start on the NFL side of things, I think if you're going to employ a zero quarterback strategy this offseason in college, then you have to walk out of the first four to five rounds of the NFL side with two quarterbacks you don't have to load up on them you don't have to you know reach for guys 
but you have to walk away from those first four to five rounds with two quarterbacks. So here is what I did in this scenario. Again, drafting from the 111 out of 12 teams slots. Uh, my first few rounds, I went Trevor Lawrence, um, and he does not go that late anymore in drafts. So I, I was very lucky that we did this draft maybe a couple months ago. Uh, at the 2-2-2, two, 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 I took DeAndre Swift. Then I did. I I sat and waited uh, for you know a bunch of guys that I liked to come off the board, but it was fine. We came back around to me. I took Antonio Gibson at the three eleven, and then I took Matt Stafford at the four two. So I have Lawrence and Stafford as my two quarterbacks, two guys that I feel pretty good about for the next three to five years uh, as far as NFL production goes. And then I managed to get two, you know, very young just finished their first year upside running back. So this was like the ideal start for me. I was feeling really, really good after four rounds. I kept, you know, usually I'll move around a little bit in a draft. I didn't move around at all in this draft the first 10 rounds because, again, this value just kept falling to me. Round five, I took DJ Moore. Round six, this is a tight end premium. It's a, it's So I guess I should just say here what the, the starting requirements are. So the NFL, quarterback, two running back, two wide receivers, tight end, three flex and a super flex. And it is six point pass touchdowns, full PPR and one and a half PPR for tight ends. So just to give you an idea of what I had going on here. Um, so again, two quarterbacks, two very young upside pass catching running backs in the first four rounds. DJ Moore as my wide receiver one. Very happy with that. TJ Hawkinson tight end. I figure he's probably going to have a big year or two before they can really bulk up that wide receiver room there in Detroit. At, in the seventh round, 7-11, I went Kareem Hunt at the 8-2, uh, Cortland Sutton as my wide receiver two, and then continued to just sit in my draft slot. Round nine, I got Tyler Boyd, and round 10, Julio Jones. So that kind of rounded out my starters uh, here, you know, it, Again, in air quotes, uh, but I feel really, really good about this. I've got two great quarterbacks that I can lean on. I've got two high end, in my opinion, running backs, plus Kareem Hunt is a very solid third name there. Um, and then my wide receiver core, DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Tyler Boyd, Julio Jones. That's uh, very happy with that. You know, I think it's not outside the realm of possibility that Julio and DJ Moore are wide receiver ones this year. And if that happens, uh, barring some some injuries elsewhere, I think I'm very much in contention. So really nice roster. We're opening up right away with a contention window. And then I, I pieced together some other uh, guys here that I liked in the next couple of rounds. I actually traded up for Michael Gallup, who might not do that much this year. I don't know. But I think worst case scenario, he goes somewhere else after this year and puts up some nice numbers. I really like him. Then I got Darnell Mooney. Um uh, Pollard from the Cowboys, Hunter Long, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, just a bunch of guys that I feel pretty good about as, you know, by week type fill-ins, Jacoby Myers, um, so it, uh, Gio Bernard, Anthony Miller. Um, so I, I, I took some swings late, but early, I think I just basically sat in, took BPA, took value as it fell to me, and still came away with a roster that I really, really like. Now, I know that I... I'm a little riskier uh, or I'm a little more of a risk taker when it comes to not rocking with three quarterbacks. I tend to just appreciate the other value that I get in these scenarios. This offseason, more than any other offseason I can remember in the past uh, five to seven years that I've been playing Dynasty, quarterback is just flying off the board. 
and I'm not going to reach for it. So I, I did not do that here, in my opinion. I think I took value at every single spot, and I come away with a team that I really like. Uh, no third quarterback, but that's fine. You know, I can punt a week or two in the regular season with the rest of my roster being as strong as it is. I think I'm still a playoff team. And then once I get in the playoffs, watch out. So this, just to give you a brief overview, this is what I did on the NFL side. And I'm happy enough with this situation to, to confirm that I can go zero QB on the college side uh, with that 101 selection. So at this point, let me jump over to our draft board on the college side here. Um, there's a lot of names here if you're looking at the visual of this. Um, but just, again, to say I had the 101. And uh, for those that uh, know me well, you knew that there was no other option there for me except for Bijan Robinson. I think he's the closest thing to a premier talent that there is in college football right now. He has two years left in a Sark offense. He's going to produce. They're going to lean on him this year. Uh, there is there is nothing to not like about him. You know, efficient in the passing game, great in, great between the tackles. You know, great in space. They had him returning kicks last year. So that tells you the level of athlete he is with the ball in his hands. I love Bijan Robinson. I think, especially with the zero QB stuff, you know, I don't think you have to force taking a quarterback early. I think Bijan is the guy. Um, so just, just that's what I did with my 101 here. I was very, very happy with how um, the, the draft slots played out that I was able to do that. Um, so I called. This varies every year. Like I said, you know, zero QB might not work again next year, but for this year, I think it does. I break my draft here into a couple different pieces. There's basically four sections in college here um, that I'm going to break into. And the first one um, I call the Debbie stars. These are guys that are basically unequivocally probably going to be top 50. Let's say draft picks in the NFL. I think the large majority of them will be first rounders. Um, and on top of having that type of uh, probable pedigree, they also are going to produce a ton in college. It's a slimmer tier than you would think. You would think, you know, college football, high scoring, all this stuff goes on every week. There are really, you know, I, when I finally sat, sat down earlier this offseason to kind of break this down in my head, I have 19 players that fit into that category. That's really not very many. That's not even two full rounds of players that I think fit into that category. And I'll just kind of list them here and, you know, maybe touch on some points on a couple of them, but just, I mean, this is kind of kind of show you why I'm not forcing quarterback early. So of my top of my first 19 players for our quarterbacks, you have in order DJ Uyangalele. Uh, quarterback at Clemson, Spencer Rattler, quarterback at Oklahoma, Sam Howell, quarterback at uh, UNC, and then Bryce Young at Alabama. So four good names, four solid names. We think we like all of these guys, but at the same time, you know, Spencer Rattler has one year starting under his belt, and it was very up and down. Now, I think he did improve a lot as the season went on. I think by the end of the year, he looked markedly different than he did at the beginning. But still, you can't discount the fact that it was a, a bit of an uneven year. Um, so I I like Spencer Rattler. I don't feel about him like I did about, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or some of these guys in drafts last year. 
Uh, then DJU, again, another guy. I think I like DJU. I've seen two games out of him. Um, he lost one of them, which, I, granted, was not his fault. Um, but I thought at the end of that game, he definitely showed uh, some freshman tendencies uh, in some of the hurry-up offense against Notre Dame, um, You know, checking down to the middle of the field instead of trying to work the ball outside. You know, The things that you figure he'll probably clean up, but he's definitely not – a finished target or a finished product. There, there is a lot to work on there still with DJU. Um, then Sam Howell at UNC. I like Sam Howell, but again, he's not very mobile. So I'm not sure what the fantasy upside there is uh, beyond college, where it seems like if, you know, the top seven or eight quarterbacks are all going to have rushing upside uh, for the most parts. Uh, and I'm not sure how much of that he has. And then Bryce Young, who we haven't even seen a full game out of. He came in for some cleanup duty a couple times last year uh, when Bama was just blowing people out. Um, new offense there. I mean, it's not going to shift completely, but new offensive coordinator. It's not Sark there anymore. It's Bill O'Brien. Um, he has weapons again, but I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about him. But you know, I talked earlier. I'm not here to swing for the fences as hard as I can in my first few picks. And Bryce Young very much feels like a guy that I kind of have my eyes closed. And the fastball is coming in, and I'm just swinging away and hoping that I make contact. Uh, I, I'm not that sure about him. And so that's why I, I, I'm kind of fading these quarterbacks. I have 10 running backs in this top tier. You might disagree with one or two of them, and I think you could convince me to move one or two on either side of the line that I've drawn. But here are my 10 guys I have in here. I have Bijan, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby, Travion Henderson, Zach Evans, Eric Gray, Kyron Williams, and Jace McClellan. And then on the outside looking in really is Kendall Milton. And I think, you know, I could be convinced either way, but he's not going to produce much this year. I'm not sure how much he's going to produce next year. So that, but I feel pretty sure about these other guys here, which is why I, I have them in this tier, which again is guys that I think can be top 50 draft picks and are going to produce in college. You know, and I think, you know, I already covered Bijan, Spiller, and Hall. They're both going to be top 10 fantasy options this year. I think, barring injury, both are top 50 draft picks next year. Uh, Gibbs, high, high end pass catching back and can run between the tackles as well. Tank Bigsby is going to be unlocked a bit this year with Brian Harson coming in there. He's a guy that always gets his RB1 work in the rushing and passing game. Travion Henderson might be slightly controversial here, depending on who you talk to, because we've never seen him play college football. And you'll say, but Austin, you just complained about never having seen Bryce Young play and really not seeing that much out of DJU. I think there is it's a little bit easier to project the growth of a running back than it is a quarterback um, in, into this space. Um, so I, I have Travion Henderson in this group. Then Zach Evans. You know, the TCU, um, according to uh, the, the CFF site guys, they have their handy draft guide out right now. They have a great stat in there that says that uh, under Gary Patterson, a TCU running back has not averaged more than 15 yards a carry since 2016. At the same time, you know, we just saw Darwin Barlow transfer out of there. So we really only have uh, DeMarco Foster, Amante Watkins, and Zach Evans there. I think... Uh, well, I, I mean, this is all conjecture, but there is a very strong possibility that Barlow left because he saw the writing on the wall with Evans, who is very talented, a former five-star guy. 
So I think that it's a matter of time before he starts getting some some big touches there, especially because they're not a particularly uh, productive passing offense. And then uh, Eric Ray, who's going to smash at Oklahoma this year, I think, you know, as more and more reports come out, I think he's going to put up nice numbers, even if he's not getting 30 touches a game. I think that offense is just going to allow him to score a lot of points. Uh, Kyron Williams at Notre Dame, another guy that they have already shown they're going to give the ball to quite a bit. And then Jace McClellan. And this is another one where if you told me you did not want to put him in here, that's fine. But I really, really like Jace McClellan, um, you know, a high spark athlete coming from a program that has consistently churned out early draft picks at the position. I mean, just over the past few years, you've got Najee Harris, you've got Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, Mark Ingram, and then even guys after that, like Kenyon Drake and uh, Damian Harris. Like there, there is quite the pipeline there. And I think that Jace McClellan, even if he's not, getting the bulk of the touches this year. Once Brian Robinson is gone, I think he is the guy there for Bama in 2022. And then I have five wide receivers. Keyshawn Boutte, who is my wide receiver one. You're getting two very big years out of Keyshawn Boutte, and then he's off to the NFL, and he's going to be a top 15 draft pick. Uh, Traylon Burks, uh, you know, big athletic guy, uh, going to produce in college. David Bell might be, you know, if Keishon Boutte is not the wide receiver one this year in college, then it's probably because David Bell had another big target season. Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. And then I have George Pickens still listed here, but with a giant question mark on him because, you know, knee injury probably out this year. But I still think he's going to be drafted fairly early, even if he never plays another down uh, for Georgia. So those are my 19 guys there. And then you have on the outside looking in, you could probably argue with me and I would not agree, but I'm not going to, you know, really fight you on it too much. CJ Stroud and Keaton Slovis, a quarterback, Kendall Milton at running back and Rakeem Jarrett at wide receiver. So at most, even if we include these other five guys, that's still 25 names. So basically two rounds exactly. So that's why this is my top tier um, and my strategy when looking at it, because I don't feel great about any of the quarterbacks, but I feel pretty good about a lot of the running backs, I'm trying to hit running back twice here if I can. There are there have been a couple of scenarios this offseason where I have kind of missed out. Like I, It's probably I've had like pick 11 or 12, and I've missed out on the top six or seven running backs. And then I'll take Keishon Boutte, who always seems to be sitting there, um, and, and be very, very happy with that. Uh, so at worst, I'm walking out with a running back and Keishon Boutte. And a lot of times, I'm walking out with two running backs. In this draft, I went Bijan 101 and Jace McClellan at the 212. So I got two of my guys in that tier. Very happy about that. Safe. I, I think there's you can pretty easily project there. And um, you know, at this point, we are ready to go. So this is a kind of a cutoff for me and we flip over to a, um, a portion of the draft that I call heavy Debbie. Um, very, very catchy name. Right. Um, and what I mean by heavy Debbie is this is probably rounds three to eight. And I think you could convince me to take it to round 10, but I usually do not do that in these rounds. We are hitting 
basically BPA for Debbie purposes with the tiebreaker obviously being, can they give me college production as well? Because some of these guys, you know, we like Quentin Johnston. I'm not sure how much Quentin Johnston scores over the next couple of years at TCU. I don't know if Max Dugan can support a high-end uh, wide receiver. Um, same with uh, somebody like um, – I'm trying, I'm trying to go down the list here real quick and look. Um, you know, in any of the uh, Oklahoma guys that go in this range, because the, they, they seem to really be spreading the ball around there, and none of them have demanded to be – have been so good they demand all the targets – Things like that, you know, but I'll, I'll pick a guy, uh, uh, you know, BPA here tends to be wide receiver and it's the tiebreaker is if they're going to produce in college. So here's what I did in this draft at the 301. I took JSN Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio state. I think he's going to do very well there in the slot in the Ohio state offense an offense that has featured the slot pretty heavily over the past couple of years. And I also think he is versatile enough. I've talked about a bunch of times on this show to play outside if needed. So I don't think he is a slot only guy. Um, and I think that he's going to do well this year and then absolutely smash the following year at Ohio state. So JSN was the pick there. Um, some other guys that went around him, Kevin Harris, Kyron Williams, Drake London. You know, I, I just feel better about JSN than all of these guys uh, at the four five turn. I took Josh downs who I think is absolutely going to crush at UNC this year. Um, you know, the slot guy in a Phil Longo offense is not something to mess around with. This is a guy that that offense has, has support, you know, AJ Brown uh, put up monster stats in college there. Daz Newsom the past couple of years at UNC put up monster stats in that position. Um, so I think downs is much more talented than Daz Newsom. And I think he's just going to absolutely smash there. Would not he's going to be a top ten, uh, in my opinion, college wide receiver this year uh, for fantasy purposes. The CFF site guys are projecting him as the eighth wide receiver overall this year. So you know this is a guy that's going to score a ton of points that I'm getting in the fourth round, the last pick in the fourth round, and then in the fifth I took like I said Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College. Another guy, you know, last year, 56 catches, 892 yards, nine touchdowns. Spring game had a huge, huge game. It looks like him and Phil Djurkovic are on the same page. Um, overall, they, they, Djurkovic seems to really, really like him. That offense is going to feature him. I think they're going to pass even more than they did last year. CFS site guys, again, here have him as the wide receiver 16 going into the season. And I think that's a pretty safe, uh, bet as well. I think he is a wide receiver, you know, low end wide receiver one or wide receiver two uh, in college for fantasy purposes this year. I'm not entirely sold on him as an NFL guy yet. I think there's a lot of stuff that he still needs to clean up. Um, but the value here, you know, just some of the other guys that have gone around him at this point, you know, I, I, I could have contemplated uh, uh, Donovan Edwards, Zamir White, uh, Emeka Buka, um, and I just, again, feel like he is a much safer pick uh, than any of those guys. And I know the draft board, I just double-checked to make sure, shows that Caleb Williams actually went after him, but that is not the case. Somebody traded up to take Caleb Williams, and it just displays incorrectly here. Um, I, I may have actually considered taking Caleb Williams at the 4-5 turn if he was there, but he was not. Um, so that I would have broken my zero QB there, but that just is insane value for a guy that, whether I like him or not, 
probably going to be a first round startup selection next offseason once Spencer Rattler moves on. Um, so, so this is what I have through five rounds. Round six, I went Raymond Davis, uh, running back who just transferred from Temple to Vandy. His freshman year at Vanderbilt, he went uh, 193 for 936, so just short of five yards per carry, eight touchdowns, and then had 15 catches for 181 yards and two touchdowns uh, through the air. So very well-rounded back. He's going to go into Vandy. That offense is going to feature him. He's probably the most talented player on that offense, and I don't feel weird saying that at all because it's just not a very talented offense. Um, so, and, and he's a top 20 running back for me. You know, I like him more than some of the guys that are going, that went ahead of him here. Um, I, I think that he was a nice snag there and really kind of rounded out a strong RB trio here as we, as we work through our, uh, heavy Debbie rounds, um, the next four rounds. And again, I said, you know, this, this typically goes between rounds eight and 10. Um, I went Marvin Harrison jr. At the seven eight turn, uh, or sorry, at the six seven turn, I am very convinced that Marvin Harrison is going to be a stud at Ohio State. Olave and Wilson are both going to be gone after this year. He's going to start outside with whoever they have a quarterback, and he's going to do a great job there. You know, wide receiver fourteen in this class, six three one ninety. He's big. He's athletic. He's got great bloodlines because yes, he is that Marvin Harrison's son. Um, just overall, I think a a top top player, and uh, to get him at this spot um, felt really really good. Um, and you know, just to give you a, a look at some of the guys that went right before him, you know, he went after JoJo Earl, Wandale Robinson, Jadon Hazelwood. Um, I, I like him significantly more as an NFL prospect right now than any of those guys. Um, I think he can be a true alpha. And so I took him here. Then when it came back to me at the 8-9 turn, I took Jaden Wally and Jalen McMillan. Jaden Wally is an absolute smash pick if you see him anywhere after like round five. Um, I can't, I actually a little surprised that I let him last this long. You know, so let me just tell you a little bit about Jaden Wally's season last year. So six foot 180 as a true freshman in the SEC, put up 52, 718, and two in a COVID year at Mississippi State, um, but really came on at the end of the year. If you look at his game logs for the last five games of the season, he went seven for 115 and one, nine for 176, eight for 100, five for 129 and one, and then in the bowl game, put up four for 27. So underwhelming bowl game, but he was smashing down the end of the year. He's going to be the wide receiver one in a Mike Leach offense. That wide receiver consistently puts up 250 plus fantasy points a season, um, has gotten as high as like 450 um, with uh, Michael Crabtree when, when the two of them were together at Texas Tech. I don't know if he's going to hit that standard, but I think he can certainly go over 300 points at least once when he's in college and possibly more than that. And I think he's a day two pick. So, I, you know, smash, smash take at this point. And then Jalen McMillan, uh, who I liked a lot coming out as a freshman last year, going to be the wide receiver one at Washington this year. And I'm not saying he's going to be the leading receiver. I think that's Kate Otten, but I think he is going to be the wide receiver one on that squad. Probably not a very prolific passing offense this year, but then you have Sam Heward probably taking over that role the year after. 
And I think at that point, all will be well in the world. Um, so, uh, you know, this is kind of what I opened with in this draft. Um, and it was just a lot of safe picks. You know, you look at this, you know, JSN starting wide receiver at Ohio state. We know what we're going to get out of a guy like him, Josh downs, as we said, you know, the long go offenses in the slot. We know what we are going to get out of Josh downs, Zay flowers. We know what we're going to get out of Zay flowers. Raymond Davis is the same way. Jaden Wally were I mean, it doesn't, you don't even have to extrapolate those game logs out over the full year. You can take some stinkers in there and still have a great fantasy player. Um, really, the only guy there that was a, you know, a bit of a guessing game is Marvin Harrison Jr. And still, again, you know, high end recruiting pedigree, Ohio State wide receiver on a team that the depth chart is all of a sudden not as stacked as we thought it was. So, I, I mean, th- there were not a lot of, tough picks here where I think this could really backfire on me. I think I walk out of these, these rounds with a bunch of guys that are going to score me a lot of points and have the potential to hit the NFL. So this is where my, my strategy kind of breaks off a little bit. I have LV Bunkley Shelton here and he can kind of fit in two baskets. I like him. What's his NFL future. I don't know. And now that obviously we know that they're investigating Arizona state, I don't know what happens to him, Um, but he could be probably be uh, uh, put in the Debbie basket as well. Cause I think that he with Jaden Daniels there can put up nice numbers and be a day two NFL draft pick. I think day one would be a little bit rich for him. That would surprise me even with how much I love LV Bunkley Shelton. Um, but that's, you know, kind of, kind of what I walked away with. And I do just want to throw in here. You'll, you'll notice that those were basically a whole wide receivers except for Raymond Davis. I just hit wide receiver over and over and over here. And let me just tell you guys kind of, you know, looking at our ADP, why I consider this to be a running back dead zone. So the guys that generally go in this range, Will Shipley, freshman at Clemson, very crowded backfield. Kevin Harris, running back at South Carolina. You know, Chris Moxley uh, was very polite, gave me some of these numbers here today. 13th and broken tackle percentage in the SEC last year. Not great. The lowest yards after uh, yards after contact on their roster last year. Second uh, highest negative rush percentage last year in the SEC. He now has to contend with Marshawn Lloyd, who is also going in this range, but is coming off a knee injury. We've never seen him do it in college. So a lot of question marks there. LJ Johnson, crowded backfield. Demarcus Bowman, transfer, crowded backfield. Donovan Edwards, true freshman, crowded backfield. Kamar Wheaton, did not like him as a prospect coming out. Crowded backfield. Not even sure if he even stays at Alabama. Jerrion Ely. I don't like Jerrion Ely. He's tiny. And again, there's a bunch of guys there. I'm not even sure he's the guy at Ole Miss. Zamir White. He's injured both of his knees when he's been in college. Like there, You can just go down the list of running backs here and, and point to huge flaws in all of them. Now, if you look at all these wide receivers, they're almost all in high-powered passing offenses and you can have just the nature of the position, more of these guys on the field at the same time. You know, JSN, if something happens to Garrett Wilson, JSN and Marvin Harrison can both eat if they need to this year. And then they, they can both do the same thing again next year. It's just the nature of the position gets more of these guys on the field. Uh, and, and again, it, it is all about being safe here while still taking upside. There, there is still upside here. I think I managed that through the first 10 rounds of this draft. So this is where, uh, you know, we're going to take a break again in our strategy. Um, and we are looking at 
CFF studs at this point is what I'm going to call this air arena. And at this point, I am just going to start taking guys that round out my CFF roster. I'm going to do this for 10 to 15 rounds, really, depending on uh, how the board is falling, what my league mates are doing. You know, if they're still trying to tap Debbie, maybe I'll, I'll extend it. If they're flipping, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do the opposite. Um, but this is all about rounding out my CFF roster at this point. So just to kind of detail what I did here in my round 11, I took Cole Turner. Tight end for Nevada, number one tight end last year in all of college football. Never scored fewer than eight fantasy points in any in any week, which is you know for college tight ends that kind of consistency is rare. Um, converted wide receiver, six six two forty, good athlete. I think there is NFL upside there as well, but I don't care about that necessarily right now. Like I said, I'm looking for studs at the position or at a bunch of different positions, and Cole Turner um, was the guy there for me. Uh, next couple of rounds, I took Gabe Irvin from Nebraska here. I, I snuck him in a little bit because um, I wasn't sure how much further he would fall. And I think even if he's not the guy at Nebraska this year, he's the guy the following year. And I think he's going to put up some big numbers there. I really, really like his talent. Um, so a bit of a stash kind of guy, but I don't necessarily think breaks the principle of what we're trying to do here. Then I took Ronnie Rivers running back from Fresno. Um, according to CFF site guys, they think he's going to be a top 10 running back this year. They, they, they have him as, as their RB nine right now. Uh, just a, a massive dual threat in college. You know, he, in, in six games last year, hundred carries for 507 yards and seven touchdowns. And then also had 27 catches for 265 yards and two touchdowns. It's a, a high powered offense in the mountain West conference. He's going to put up a ton of points. Next couple of rounds here, Khalil Shakir, wide receiver at Boise. Uh, injury shortened his season a little bit last year, but the CFF site guys have him as their wide receiver three. I'm getting the wide receiver three potentially this year. You know, almost definitely a top 10 guy in round 14. Great, 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 great value. He'll be a starter for me this year. Um, and I think he's versatile enough that he goes somewhere in the NFL. I'm not, I'm not banking on him doing it, but I think he could go as early as round three. And then I took Jordan Whittington wide receiver from Texas, who by all reports has been the best wide receiver there at Texas. Sark has been raving about him. It's going to be a high powered offense. Um, so I I'm buying a little bit of the hype there, but it's still at a nice price where if something happens here, I'm not getting burned too bad in the 15th round. Round 16, 17, finally took my first quarterbacks. I had actually traded down on the NFL side. I picked up an extra pick here. So I felt okay about kind of wasting one and taking both of the LSU quarterbacks because I don't, I think it's going to be Max Johnson, but I don't want to be wrong on that. So I just, I paid up. I got Max Johnson and Miles Brennan at back-to-back picks here. I have the LSU starter next year. Their new offensive coordinator comes from the Joe Brady tree. He's talking the talk this offseason. He wants weapons on the field. He wants playmakers all over the place. He wants to chuck the ball around like they did when Joe Burrow was there. So I think whichever guy is there this year puts up big, big stats. And that is my quarterback one. You know, Do I think that that guy is going to make the NFL, either Johnson or Brennan? I wouldn't bet on it. 
I also wouldn't necessarily bet against it. Uh, but regardless, you know, I've waited this long and now I get potentially a guy that that can finish top 10 in college fantasy this year and has NFL potential. And I don't think has that much less NFL potential than someone like Hudson Card, who went in the eighth round, Desmond Ritter, who went in the fifth or sixth round. Um, Graham Mertz went in the ninth round. Grant Gunnell went in the 10th round. You know, Brock Vandergriff went in the sixth round. You know, I don't feel better about any of those guys than I feel about Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. And I got them for some of those guys, you know, nine, 10 rounds, 11 rounds later. And that's kind of the crux of zero QB. You know, I, there's so much uncertainty, the position that I just snagged those guys 10 rounds after everybody else and feel zero ill effects uh, because of it. So at this point uh, I have a starting quarterback, whichever guy it ends up being Uh, the next couple of rounds. I took Calvin Austin wide receiver from Memphis Um, new quarterback coming in, but that's okay. I think he's still a top. He's a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. So I potentially, you know, Calvin Austin, Khalil Shakir, Jaden Wally, and Josh Downs could all be wide receiver ones this year for fantasy. I have all of them and several of them have some NFL potential there. So I'm, I'm feeling great about my college team. I've got some NFL potential two thumbs way up. Next couple of rounds, Elijah Canyon, wide receiver from Auburn. I don't, I'd be lying if I said that I feel amazing about him being the wide receiver one at Auburn, but if he does take that mantle, as it sounds like he might based on spring this year, um, you know, Brian Harson has he produces good offenses. So I think he could do something there. And then round 20, I, I kind of skipped away a little bit from what I was doing. I wanted Adonai Mitchell. I knew based on spring reports that he was going to go in this range. I, I would rather take him in like round 30, but I'm a realist and I knew that he was not going to be there. Um, so I reached a little bit based on my perceived rankings and took him in round 20. Uh, just to kind of seal up a guy that has a strong chance to be a future starter at Georgia. Um, so, so at this point, you know, I have rounded out my starters at every position uh, on my college team here, except for my QB two. And as we, as you'll see here, when we go through more of this, there are a ton of quarterbacks that I still like on the board, you know, just, just glossing over what I'm looking at here right now. Caleb Ellaby still there possibly a top 10 guy this year. I end up taking him around 23. Um, you know, there is, uh, let's see here. Clayton Toon, KJ Jefferson, Adrian Martinez has zero NFL future, but he scores a lot of points in college. Brennan Armstrong still on the board. Preston Hutchinson, Michael Pratt. Um, Jeff Sims is still on the board. Um, uh, Holton, Holton Allers, who had a crappy year last year, but a great, great uh, year the year before that. Cornelius Brown, the fourth. Um, Jake Bentley. These are all guys that are probably going to score a fair amount of college points this year that are still on the board. So I still feel great about my quarterback position, even though I only have one at this point. Um, And this is kind of where I shift my focus and away from getting CFF studs. You know, at this point, most of the top names are off the board uh, round 20. And I think depending on the crew you're playing with, that could happen even earlier. You know, most of them could be gone by round 15 or maybe even a little bit earlier than that. Um, but this group is a little more Debbie-minded, and I knew that going into it. Um, so I was able to to kind of continue to pick up some CFF guys in these rounds. 
Um, so at this point, I just, it's the last 25 rounds. It's a big tier. You know, I'm not going to keep continue to break this down. Into, if you notice, the tiers kind of got bigger. You know, it was two rounds. Then it was like six rounds. Then it was like 12 rounds. Now we're at a 25, a 25 round tier where I'm just filling out my roster. This is almost all BPA um, with a mind toward distributing the positions as best I can. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't like, I, I have a lot of receivers on my, on my roster at this point. I don't want to continue to hammer wide receiver really hard. Uh, likewise, I don't want to flip and take a bunch of quarterbacks all at one time. You know, I'll still walk away with six or seven of them. I'm not going to load up on tight ends. I usually am happy to walk out of a draft with two or three tight ends, and I, that's more than enough. Um, so just briefly, here are some names that I took here at the end. These are all very mix and match. At this point, I'm not even necessarily following rankings. I'm taking guys that I, if I know my league mates and I know somebody likes somebody, maybe I'm getting the jump on a guy or, you know, a report comes out about a guy transferring or, or getting hype. Maybe I reach a little bit to take that guy um, just to ensure that I get them because I, I want them later, kind of like I did with, with Adonai Mitchell. So um, th that's really the shift here. And just to go through, I'm not going to break down every single name that I took in this range, but just a couple, you know, Jatavian Sanders athlete has now decided he's going to be a tight end. I took him and Grant Calcaterra and rounds 21 and 33, respectively. A lot of risk there with those guys, um, but I have um, Turner this year, so I'm not overly worried about uh, tight end beyond him. If I get production from those guys, great. There's a lot of upside with them, uh, and if I don't, that's okay too. I can probably go pick somebody else up on the waiver wire if I really have to at some point this year. Um, just to highlight the quarterbacks that I did end up taking after this. Caleb Ellaby, I took in round 23. I mentioned him earlier. Central Michigan kid, huge season last year. Mac, what else do I have to say? The Mac is a high-powered conference. If I could snag five quarterbacks from the Mac, I would be extremely happy because they play no defense there. Um, so, so and I, and I, there's not a lot of NFL upside, but if he has a huge season, he can creep up some boards. He's not overly mobile, but he has a nice arm. He's very accurate. Um, so, you know, I I feel better about him being a pro than Brock Vandergriff at this point, who went round five. So, again, an 18-round gap here between Brock Vandergriff and Caleb Ellaby. I took KJ Jefferson and Adrian Martinez. You know, Konami code, probably not NFL guys. Tanner Mordecai, I don't know if he's the quarterback at SMU or not, but high-powered offense regardless. Brendan Lewis, the quarterback at Colorado, showed a little bit of what he could do last year in their bowl game against Texas. Dual threat guy again. Basically a Jeff Sims clone, to be honest. They're basically the same player. Um, Donovan McCulley is a uh, prospect. Go, He's a four-star kid that's going to Indiana this year, waiting behind Michael Penix, but then probably the starter. High upside guy there. Clay Millen is going to take over at Nevada once Carson Strong is gone. And I think he is going to smash in that offense. And then Jalen Henderson is a name that I have never talked about anywhere. But he he got some nice reviews from the Fresno coaching staff. They don't really have a backup behind Hayner. Henderson's a true freshman this year. Once Hayner leaves, Henderson is the kind of guy and a Mountain West team in a high-powered offense that can do some things. 
So I stashed him in literally the 45th, the last round of this draft and feel he, you know, by week four, maybe he's not on my roster, but he's worth a snag late to sit on here for a little bit and see if I can get any more news on him. Running back, some guys that I added late here, Caleb Hood, who I talked about on the the show early this week with Mike Bainbridge. Um, He thinks that he could take over the RB2 job there at UNC as early as this year. That's a very valuable player. And then once Ty Chandler's gone after this year, you know, who's to say how that backfield shakes out? But I feel good about that. Micah Bernard seems like he's going to be the guy at Utah this year. They generally have a nice high scoring uh, running back there for fantasy purposes. Jabari Small, my favorite of the three guys at Tennessee, whether he gets the job or not, I don't know, but I don't really give a crap in round 30, which is where I snagged him. Deshaun Morrell at UCLA, again, not a this year guy, maybe not even a next year guy, but you know, if you start hearing things about him flashing at practice there, that's good. Cam Porter felt like a bit of a safe guy there at Northwestern, could be the guy there, maybe some NFL upside. I'm not sure the athleticism is there. Keelan Robinson, I sna- I was on the clock when it was announced that he transferred. He was a guy that I would have taken in like round 43, but I took him a little bit earlier than that just so somebody else wouldn't. They don't really have an RB2 there at Texas. Roshan Johnson's a former quarterback, you know, converted to running back. They have Bijan, and then not a lot else. So I think Keelan Robinson has a role there from day one uh, and can make it to the NFL as a receiving back. Amani Bailey, uh, the second running back at uh, ULL, they almost always produce two fantasy quarter uh, running backs that are worth uh, drafting. So while everybody is focused on Chris Smith this year, who I do like, I'll snag Amani Bailey like 15 rounds later, and I think I can still get some nice production out of him. Uh, and then in rounds 43 and 44, I took Devontae Price and Ladarius Jefferson, uh, both guys from small, small G5 schools, but are probably the bell cows there. Um, so some CFF upside, probably not anything NFL-wise there but that's okay. Wide receivers. I did not need to hit wide receiver late because as we, as I showed you earlier, I I mean, I I have a bunch of really good ones, Um, but the guys I did take here, I feel really good about. I took Michael Jackson, the third I've raved about him a bunch. I think it's sooner rather than later. He's doing something at USC. Marcus Rose me the forgotten guy at Georgia, but I think he could start there. And you know, the starting uh, wide receiver at Georgia is worth something. He's a big athletic kid. Uh, Dwayne Lofton, a guy that's just a sleeper guy that I like at Virginia Tech. Again, probably not a this-year guy, probably a next-year guy. Jair Shorter, a name that I love. Again, a guy that Mike Bainbridge and I talked about on the show earlier this week. Absolute CFF stud and is going. he's bigger and more athletic than everybody he plays against. So he's going to put up numbers and could draw some attention from scouts. Jaden Bray. Uh, freshman wide receiver uh, from Oklahoma State. Another guy Mike and I talked about on the pod this week. Um, you can see kind of how in lockstep Mike and I are on a lot of these guys because I, I had taken a bunch of them before that show um, even happened. I think the only guy I, I, I only made my last round pick after that show. So I had all these guys on my roster before that. Um, and then Marcus Spiker, transfer from Washington to Nevada, buying into that Nevada offense, being something even after Strong, Cooks, Dubs, Turner, et cetera, all leave. So I've got Millen and I've got Spiker and hopefully I have um, some significant pieces there of that offense. Um, so I think that covers everything. I, I already covered the tight ends there. So that is my roster. A lot of CFF talent, 
a lot of Devi upside. You can see I balanced both throughout the draft. Um, even at some points, you know, while I was going through this, I would go every other pick. You know, I don't do this for every draft, but for this one, I was saying, you know, this one's a Devi guy, next one's a CFF guy, because I was at the turn. So it was an easy decision to make. Um, but just to show you, like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to pick out some turns where I would have done that. Like, I took Marcus Roseme and Micah Bernard at the same one. And Roseme might be more of a Devi guy at this point, and Bernard might be more of a CFF producer. Um, I did the same thing with uh, Deshaun Morrell and Cam Porter. You know, Morrell most more probably more of a Devi guy. Cam Porter probably more of a CFF guy. Um, so I, I did do that in places throughout this draft. Um, a draft that I'm very happy with. And again, you know, I still starting quarterbacks for this year. I have LSU, whoever's at LSU, Caleb Ellaby, KJ Jefferson, uh, Adrian Martinez, Tanner Mordecai. That's that's five quarterbacks. I'm happy with that. I've got some nice stash upside. Same with the running backs. I have more than enough guys to rotate in. Wide receiver, as we already talked about, I'm set. So this is a roster that I feel really good about. I think I'm going to contend on both sides of this league this year. And then I think, you know, I'm just going to keep feeding, you know, a lot of these wide receivers and a lot of running backs up to the NFL side. I feel really, really good about that. Um, and, you know, I can focus on quarterback in the future, but I'm not going to force it. Like I said, I have T-Law, I have Stafford, um, so a couple of guys uh, that I feel good about for a few years. Um, but this is kind of the anatomy of a zero QB draft, guys. And again, I just wanted to show you that I am actually using this strategy. I think it builds a really nice roster when all is said and done. A roster that I think has Debbie upside, has CFF upside, can compete on the NFL side. You know, I, I married these rosters together pretty well. Um, so I'm I'm very happy with the results, um, and that is basically the show for this week. Again, I'm sorry that we did not get a Canton bound together here, um, but we will be back next week. Colin will return from vacation, and all will be right with the world. Um, just a couple of housekeeping items. Um, feel free to keep checking out the other pods here on the C2C family of podcasts. Um, we've added a, you know, we've got a bunch of podcasts on there. We have the C2C pods here with me and Colin, Debbie Debate with me, Felix, and Matt. We have the Fantasy Roundtable with Matt Fox, uh, Matt Bruning, and then uh, Dennis Bennett hops on there with them as well sometimes. Um, and we also have Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday. Uh, he's doing a lot of cool stuff with his interview series. His, you know, he had Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports on this week. Um, so uh, a lot of good stuff happening there. Um, thank you guys to everybody that has subscribed to the website, to the YouTube page, to you know who's in the Discord, who talks with us on Twitter, all that stuff. Um, but until next week, I am Austin. Have a good weekend, guys.